0: Mean Lion Media and Sunseeker TV, in association with Carl Anthony Payne Entertainment, present Black Arm of the Law. Yo, what's up, everybody? Rudy Rush here. I know, lady you're disappointed the handsome Carl Payne is not in today. It's the Black Arm of the Law. I am comedian Rudy Rush filling in And Carl is taking care of some business You know, as we do in the business Things come up, movies, family So, you know, I'm holding it down for my dog So if anything goes crazy tonight, please uh, blame it on him Because he asked me to do this So (laughs) we got a great show for you tonight Uh, You know, this is a fantastic show Touching in areas where we as Black Americans Don't normally usually get to go and uh, share our opinions And uh, share some of the people out there fighting on the forefront Of what's really going on out there Giving us information A lot of the times more than what we uh, usually know that's going on So I really am excited about the young lady that's coming on today She is definitely, uh, I mean, listen, if she was out back in the day She'd be a freedom rider, Martin Luther King would probably have her name in the speech And my girl, my angel (laughs) She's doing some fantastic things for some some of us that are less fortunate And uh, I'm going to let her tell more of her story as we go along But please welcome to the show, Black Arm of the Law, My Angel Cody to the show Hey, My Angel, how you doing?
1: Hey, Rudy. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: How you doing? How you feeling? You good?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I'm inspired. Um, I'm always vacillating between inspired and tired, which is, you know, a good place to be because I'm busy. Yeah. But yeah, I'm loving it. I'm in a good place.
0: Nice. Give everybody an understanding exactly as to what you do for uh, incarcerated people who are not uh, used to getting the justice that they are uh, rightfully deserved.
1: Yeah, I'm a lawyer. I'm a federal criminal defense lawyer. So that means I represent people who are charged and convicted of federal crimes. I specifically only represent people who are currently sentenced to life in prison for drugs. So mm. I'm fighting to get them out of prison and fighting to dismantle the policies that put them there in the first place. Uh, I like to tell people that I'm one of the ones who's attempting to deconstruct the failed war on drugs. I lead a team of women lawyers. And yeah, we're freedom fighters. I like what you said about freedom fighters. That's really what inspires me. So far, we've successfully represented over 40 people who were sentenced to die in prison.
0: Wow. We were talking right before we got on. So, you know, you just has a lot of traveling going on. Let's talk about that because, you know, that's one of the things we all kind of discuss nowadays. You know, travel is not what it used to be. So, you know, tell everybody where you just went and how is it with, you know, oh, everything that's it. going on with, with the restrictions, with COVID and everything.
1: Right. Yeah. So my cases are all over the country. Mm-hmm. I go mm-hmm. and represent people from Iowa to California. A lot of that has affected my ability to see people in prison, to see my clients, to get into court in front of judges, but it's necessary. I think Mm -hmm. more than ever, it's necessary to get people out of cages.
0: That's awesome. Now, you know, you know, I know a lot about you because I just ain't look at your pretty picture. I was like, let me read up on this system to find out what's going on. And that's how I kind of, you know, it's very interesting to see exactly what you're doing. And, you know, that's one thing that I feel as the incarceration of African-American men and women, both, especially with nonviolent crimes such as uh, drugs. And now that we are a nation of like we're going through prohibition again, where alcohol is is, is become legal now, marijuana, which is the major major crime that a lot of our people are in prison for. How is that? Like, it's so many people with nonviolent crimes. Is it very difficult for you to turn over these cases?
1: You know, what I find is it is difficult to get people out of prison once they're there. Right. So we see and hear about the law changing, like marijuana decriminalization. That's beautiful and wonderful. But many times that law doesn't go back to help the people who are already in prison. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's what I'm doing is working to free the people who have already been put in prison under the old unfair law. Because we have a lot of people currently serving life sentences today under yesterday's old drug laws.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, I noticed there's a lot of, you know, I mean there's a a bunch of gray area when you get into the justice system and how we are treated, even as opposed to, you know, other ethnicities, you know, and I'll, I'll keep it plain and simple as that. The African-American male, especially and women now, more so than anything else are being treated and given more sentencing, harsher sentencing than anyone else. So I think there's a lot, of course, we know it's a lot more of us in prison. And so as you try to get us exonerated or get sentences decreased, you know, as a female, as an African-American female, how serious or how difficult I should say is it, has it been in your journey to deal with federal prosecutors and people of that nature? Like how hard has your journey been?
1: You know, I think the answer to that is understanding how we got here, right? Mm -hmm. Because no judge is going to look you in the eye and say, I wanted to sentence black people more harshly. And no prosecutor, unless they're being honest, is going to say, we really, really meant to sentence Black people more harshly. But what we see is... It's an apparatus of numbers, right? So you get arrested, you get a case number, and then you're turned into a number. It's all about the number of kilos that you sold or the grams that you sold. There's an inmate number that's assigned to you. Your sentence is pronounced to you in a number of months. And your whole life boils down to numbers, which to me, I find strips you of the human story yeah. of who you are, right? Like, who is Rudy Rush? Where did he come from? Who? What keeps him brave? What's broken his heart? You know, why? No one gets up in the morning and says, you know, I'm gonna just go out and stand on the block and sell drugs, even though I have a trust fund. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. And so like, what is the story there? And yeah. I love telling people stories, because I think that there's A reclamation of that person and who they are. And I always felt like if you're going to put a human being in a cage, you ought to know what their story is and, and that that person is a human being. So I think the difficulty is taking a system that is in love with numbers and infatuated with numbers when it comes to black people Mm -hmm. and demanding that we really see the heartbeats, that we actually see black heartbeats behind these cases.
0: That's amazing that you say that because that was that was actually the next thing I was going to ask you. And I will. And but within what you just said about being a number and It's a lot of generalization, and I've seen that in a lot of different instances, you know, and, you know, coming from a failed relationship, and this is to take it off the subject, just to taste. I see that African-American men, and I like to think of myself as one, you know, I I mean, I'll put myself to the task with anybody being the best dad out there, period. Okay. But I I feel within the court system is a blanket uh, system in place that disenfranchises my enthusiasm to even be a father. It hurt to even have a thought of not being connected to my child in a fashion that maybe I shouldn't be around. If my sense of thinking is that strong or these things are keeping me from being that way, I like the way you said, you know, look at people as individuals, look at the story, pull the papers back and read and see where they came from. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, our justice system is a little lazy. And I know it's a lot of people to deal with, but sometimes you have to take that time and you have to take that chance, or it does become a sense of, you just want us all back in slavery. You all just want us back doing things. So I really commend that. And, and the next thing The next part of what I wanted to ask you is what's one of your more interesting stories? Because I know you have a million and one stories to tell, but what's a story that really moved you to say, this is what I needed to be doing and this is why I'm glad I'm here.
1: Yeah. So I'll actually tell you a story of someone who I'm working with now because, you know, I'm I'm currently fighting for him and it's a man. He's from Iowa. Has mental health issues, um, had gone through depression after the loss of a loved one, and is serving a mandatory federal life sentence, which Mm. a lot of us think, oh, he must be a kingpin, right? Like, he must have sold a lot of drugs. But, you know, the reality is he got a mandatory life sentence for selling 24 grams of crack, which is about the weight of a golf ball. And he had never been to prison before. So he got life under this federal three strikes drug law. This this was his third strike. This was his third drug conviction. His first two drug convictions were like state convictions. One was for marijuana. That was strike one back in the 90s. Strike two was for a personal use amount of cocaine because he was an addict. He got probation and was sent to rehab. Strike three is he's standing outside outside of a housing project and gets caught up by the feds selling 24 grams of crack to a snitch, to a confidential informant. Hmm. So we see the trap here, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, the traps are being set. It's not like they're catching them within a real transaction. I see that part. And the other thing is also, it's like, you know, the laws when when we got out of slavery and it was Jim Crow and things of that nature, you know, the, the vagrancy laws. This sounds like a vagrancy law to a degree. Right. Now, I'm not condoning drug use at all. Right. But there's people out here with meth in their pocket. They had to change the, the the system at the drugstore that you have to sign for, you know, certain things like Prilosec or whatever like that. And it, the disparity is just crazy. It's like they're just rounding people up and giving them, like you said, these numbers. We call them letters in the street.
1: Yeah, right. And yeah, so you look at that and you see all the places, right? Cuz it's not it's a story of him, but it's also a story of all of us, of like mm. society, right? Like where was the grief counseling when he was dealing with depression from loss? Mm. Mm. He can barely read. You know, I'm I'm reading the papers to him because he can't really read. And mm. so as a lawyer, I'm trying to explain this is what happened in your case. And this is what you should have been told, but you weren't. So where was the education system? Mm -hmm. You know, like where's the legal system to make sure that he understood. And the thing about this one that really makes me wake up every morning is his lawyer pled him to a life sentence. He didn't even go to trial. So this man stood in front of a judge and pled guilty to a mandatory life without parole sentence. There's no such thing as parole in federal prison. So if you plead to life, you go, you're going to die in prison unless the law changes and we find a way to get you out.
0: And that's another thing that I find to be a, quite amazing. And no one's really like, uh, outside of you and I talking about this, it's not normal discussion you won't see it on cnn you won't see it on msnbc the fact that you know and like again i hate to jump off topic but the scary nature of being an african-american in this country and i'm not going to just put it on men women are now being taken from their families and they're rounding us up in numbers that are unbelievable but i'll go back to the central park five as you well know well documented Mm -hmm. i grew up with those gentlemen i was in that park i couldn't believe it but they made me believe through the confessions of those young men that they, they committed those crimes because they kept them so long without parental guidance, without any lawyers, without any food, sleep deprecation. And and so it shows you what they're capable of creating and doing. And it's they can pick me up right now. I could be right out of this booth and they'd be like, hey, listen, you are, you're accused of this crime. I'm in jail for life. And like you said, the yeah. person who's working for me is suggesting like, yeah, man, sign the deal. Go ahead. Put yourself in. So yeah. I commend you. Really, because getting up against that is a very tough thing because it's hard to fight it. How many people have you lost or still fighting for as opposed to the 40 plus that you saved so far?
1: Yeah. So, Rudy, we don't lose. We've never lost. Okay. Okay. I like that. Don't lose. We don't lose. (laughs) You know, I
0: love to hear that.
1: I think what that what that requires is. And like I said, my team were all women. Mm. We're black woman led, black woman powered. 100% woman-powered firm. And I always tell my lawyers, our opposing counsel is the United States of America. When we walk into court, that attorney is representing the United States of America. And so we have to be prepared to go toe-to-toe with that level of resources, with that propaganda, with Mm -hmm. that narrative, and that level of preparation, you have to be able to outwork your opponent. You Mm -hmm. have to, in order to win repeatedly right and i think you know making sure i personally believe it's about reuniting families yeah and making sure that my clients who i stand with know they're fought for and their families know that they matter nice so we have not lost
0: (laughs) you know that's an amazing thing that yeah (laughs) That's an amazing thing to hear. And, you know, one question I would like to ask, you know, you said you're all woman firm. Was that the plan or it just kind of worked out that way? And sometimes when things work out that way, the synergy is just so good that you go with it. I don't think it's like, you know, some people are oh that sector. There's no guys or there's no, you know, I just feel like sometimes when things work and it continues to work in that fashion, especially the moniker that black women don't get along and work well together. I think it's fantastic to see that not only are you ladies working together, but you're working for the betterment of our community and you're winning
1: yeah no, it was a, it was very intentional. and the reason why is, you know, we are in response to the reality that there are not enough spaces in the practice of law for women and black women in particular to learn bare knuckled criminal defense, right? Mm-hmm. when people think of what's the you know image of a criminal defense lawyer, it's not a black woman. And so we're challenging that narrative. and in order to do that, I wanted to create a firm that curated and cultivated that young talent and young lawyers and made sure that I was teaching them, this is how you make arguments. This is what it looks like to stand at the podium and to speak to a judge. But we have to do that. Right. And and that has to be very intentional. It's not happenstance.
0: No, I like I like your Monica. You're like, we don't lose. You dipped your head and we down <laughs> lose. It's like, oh look, I'm about to get locked up just to see you get me out. I'm like, Rudy, what? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, my my angel, come get me out, because you don't lose. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I think that is fantastic. And you know, I think, you know, and I appreciate you and I'm sure Carl. Definitely uh appreciates and wishes he could be here for Black Armored Law. And we're here with uh, my angel Cody, uh, you know, uh doing a great thing and uh, you know, freeing people who have been in prison, mostly for life in federal prison and doing great things with her Freedom Rider crew. But uh, but definitely, you know, just want to ask you a few more questions before we, you know, we get you out of here. We appreciate your time, especially since you've been traveling, because we all know how that is. So, what is a typical downtime? is because, you know, this is a twenty four hour. You know, seven days a week situation, three hundred sixty-five days a year. Like you're always constantly thinking about the next case, the next person. What do you do in your downtime? How do you kind of decompress without getting caught up in the whole manic situation like you're you're, you're in? What do you do to relax?
1: Out with my girls. I'm all in the culture. I'm listening to live music. I was going to concerts. I was being at all the things. Getting showered with all the blackness. Okay. That's what I do. <laughs> you know, that's <like, laughs> I love it. So that's where I source uh, my energy is in in that space. Just mm. being black.
0: Yeah. And, being, and being black right now is, is a very, it's always been a thing, right? It changes faces every now and again, or the energy changes from one thing to the next. Maybe it's, you know, being cool this way, but being more woke seemingly now is, I wouldn't say a fag, because I think it's becoming more of a thing. We've evolved as a, a culture being in this country. You know, people think it's been years, but, you know, when you think of 400 years, it's not a long time. When yeah. you think of 100 years, it's not a long time. Look, my daughter says I was born in the 1900s, but I'm like, that's not a long time ago. You know what I mean? That was just yesterday. So what do you think about the state of the African-American man and women in this country? How Black Lives Matter is being posted everywhere? Are people just a lot more aware of the African-American situation here? How do you feel that you play a part in that?
1: I think that we are deeply engaged and awakened. I think that we are assuredly going to liberate ourselves. Um, And I I definitely, you know, I've stood in courtrooms where it's just me and my client and you just feel so alone. Like where where is the movement right now? Is nobody seeing this, this happening? Um, And so I definitely feel very inspired by the level of engagement from the culture because that is what we need. That inertia and that energy is what we need it's happening. Mm. And so, you know, I, I believe that we're right where we need to be. Right. You know, this is the place where we start to confront all the lies that we've been told about ourselves as mm. a culture, all the narratives that are incorrect. And that's the where I think the real work is happening um, with just what it means to be a black woman. Mm. What does that look like? Where does, you know, my womanhood end and who my angel is begin? Like, how do I define myself? And that, I want that for every one of us. I want that for every person who I represent who's in prison. Hmm. I want that for the culture. I want that for the us as a people.
0: You know, I'm going to say this, and I hope I say this the right way. You know, I think what you are doing is such a great thing that if you remember being a kid and being inspired by it, just a random, sometimes could be a random adult, like, "Hey, she's cool," or he's cool. It's almost like you put someone on a hero status. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I'm in the presence of that. I have that same feeling as if I'm a nine year old boy and I'm, I'm I'm in the presence of someone who's doing something so great that I see you like a superhero, and I really commend you and I love you for for even thinking about us. Not in a fashion where, like, you know, forget everybody else. It's the humanity, and we need it. We don't have it. You're here to give it to us. Your crew is, I really appreciate and commend you for that. Because, you know, and we need to tell each other that a lot more. And I'm I'm glad that this platform is here. I wasn't even supposed to be on it. And I feel like, you know, this was supposed to be the show for me to be on to, to really, like, Make me even more woke or more, you know, understanding myself and how I feel because I'm very impressed by you. And so is everyone else listening. We want to thank you. You know, I want to give you some flowers now because I really mean that because, you know, like we are having families destroyed, not having their fathers around or their mothers even more so now. And you you ought to stop that because you don't lose.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, I receive that, Rudy. I really do. Uh-huh. Um, because I feel like we're worth it. And that's just the core truth of it. There are days when I just cry. Like, I started this firm with $40,000 of my own money. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't get a white philanthropist to give me millions of dollars and tell me yeah. to go free Black people. Yeah. And so there were days when it was like, am I paying my mortgage or am I paying my client's court fees? Right. And so to hear you say that is deeply reparative and it means a lot. But I also just know that we are worth it. We're worth Every ounce of it
0: I believe it That's why I feel that way You know And I wake up every day Myself and everybody Has their own struggles And I've been through things During COVID Or prior to that And just as a man You know Like you grow up And you see what you You know Like you know Things being said About your dad Or men in general And then you find out There's different levels To things And there's also Some truth To some 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 things yeah. you hear But you you know you, you learn and you grow And you always think You know They tell us Oh this dude Is a drug dealer He's killing the community He's a bad guy But like you said There's stories behind these people. There's, there's mental illness. There's there's lack of education. Say, I think literacy is one of the biggest reasons why these men are not in our children's lives, because, you know, when your kid comes home, you want them to, they want to read, they want to do this, and you're ashamed. More right. so than, I don't want to deal with you. I don't want to be embarrassed. Like, there's a whole, you know, complex, uh, you know, situation going on, and people like you are just helping in so many different ways, in a huge way. Getting people back to their families is great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of nuance. And I think, you know, what makes us a courageous people is that we are unafraid to confront the nuance. Like we don't have to deal with everything at a surface level. Going deep in the waters has never killed us as a people. So I really invite us to go into that, to the nuance and the complexities
0: of who we are. Let me tell you something. When people start yelling at me, I'm like, I'm not yelling at you. I'm talking regular. Let's bring it down. That's exactly. how I handle it. You know, we got to be, you can't be afraid. You can have confrontation or a, a debate or, or, or a conversation with someone without it going in. And, right. and, and so, you know, check it, but we're going to deal with it. Yeah, that's what deal. you
1: for, you stand for, like what you stand on. There's some stuff I've told you, I'm standing on it. You might disagree, but I'm going to stand on it.
0: Absolutely. You know? So, yeah, thank you for standing with us. So, you know, we would love to check back in with you, I'm sure, like once, listen, all right. I'm going to tell everybody once Carl see this, you're going to be back in about a week or two. Cause he's going to be like, he's going to be mad. He missed this one, but he's handling, like I said, he's handling some things. So black Alma, the law, we appreciate you so much. Where can people find you? Cause I'm sure there's probably going to be people after hearing this, my man, my daddy, my cousin. So.
1: absolutely, I love it. So if you know, someone who's got a federal drug case, find me on IG. I'm at lawyer, my angel. That's at lawyer. M-I-A-N-G-E-L. Um, i G E L. I'm also on the net. You can just type in my angel Cody, my whole website, everything comes in. I check my IG. I'm always like listening to people. So yeah, if you know somebody who's in prison for fed in the feds for drugs. Get at me.
0: Most definitely. Thank you so much. And listen, everyone listening, it's your man, comedian Rudy Rush. You can hear my podcast, You Can't Rush Success, right here on Mean Old Line Media. But right now, I'm holding it down for my man, Carl Payne. You know him as Cole Mar. You know him as Cockroach from The Cosby Show, uh, a great dude. And this is a fantastic show. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest. When I heard about the platform, I was, you know, not confused, but it was like you're matching people. This is something that that is really great and very much needed. And I really thank him and you. Uh, for being my guest today, my Andrew, I really am glad I met you today. So thank you so much for coming on and rocking with us today.
1: Thank you for having me,
0: Rudy. All right. Take care and and, and keep freeing us. Keep winning.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. All
0: All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Black Arm of the Law is hosted by Carl Payne, produced by Ken Johnson, Bart Phillips, and Carl Payne. Consulting producers, FBI special agent retired Don Taylor and FBI special agent retired George Graves. Edited by Rick Chill. Theme music by Jeff Redd, courtesy of Soul Real Records. Executive producers, Ken Johnson and Bart Phillips. Find Black Arm of the Law on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Black Arm of the Law is a mean old lion media production.